from First Paw Media. This is Canadian Challenge Tales. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Dan Kirkup. Our executive producer is Robert Forto, created for First Paw Media. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Canadian Challenge Tales. I am joined by Mo Mondor and Dexter Mondor, who um, joined us for the uh, Canadian Challenge the last two years. Uh, How are you doing tonight? We are doing good as we sit here in our basement chatting with you. Excellent. And Mo, how are you? Fine. So both of you are joining us from Wawota, Saskatchewan, down in the southern part of the province. And, you know, you've been involved with the Canadian Challenge uh, this past year with, uh, I know, Dexter, you were handling for, I believe, more than one team. And uh, Mo, you were actually racing in the Six Dog after having helped in 2022 uh, as a handler. So I, I want to get into all of that. But before we start that fun, uh, can you tell us a little about how you got started into sled dogs and mushing? How long ago was it? Like two or three years ago? Yeah. Mark? So we're, we're, <clears throat> we're Métis people. So we're heavily involved with Métis Nation Saskatchewan. And Garrick Schmidt, as everybody knows, um, was kind of, well, he's from our area as well. He came out to our Métis local to do a dog sledding demonstration back in early winter 2019. You know, we kind of hit it off then, kind of slowly kept in contact, did a few more events with him where he was doing demonstrations for some of our other Métis locals. And then he also did some cultural camps the following summer. He moved closer to where we are, and then it just kind of, I guess you could say, snowballed from there. Helped him with a lot of tours, and then Mo, Mo wound up helping him as his handler that one year, and lots of tours as well. So I guess, yeah, about three years we've been kind of involved. So Mo, can you tell us a little about, you know, your maybe your first time on a dog sled, you know, actually uh, running the team or the first memorable one? Um, the first time I was standing on the dog sled, Garrett came down to Kenosi for a winter camp. Um, we decided to do a moonlight run with 16 dogs, 16 (laughs) fresh dogs, three sleds, three adults, and I was riding to begin with. Um, that didn't go very well as planned. We got lost on the ice and I had a stand on the back of the sled for a little bit till we... So my brother came with the snowmobile and let us back. Yeah, we sometimes have an adventure and the adventures don't always go as planned. And like Monroe said, uh, somebody had the idea, let's hook up 16 dogs and go for a spin out on the lake. And it was dark and moonlit sky and no trail to follow. And we had to call for help. So that was kind of, yeah, I guess a memorable experience for all of us. Oh, and, and a lesson learned, you know, a little, yeah. a little preparation, uh, you know, at least you have, you know, a, a plan in case of, you know, an issue and somebody can come and help, which is wonderful. Yep. Um, so, you know, fast forward from there into, <laughs> you know, the decision to, 
race this coming year or this past year, sorry, in 23 at the Canadian Challenge, was it a difficult decision? Um, I don't think it was a difficult decision because I'd been on the back of the dog sled before and we do runs down in the park and I usually end up by myself. So I just wanted to do something bigger and I thought it was just an easy decision to make. So is there any concerns that you had at the time you signed up? Was there anything that you were worried about or, or had you hesitating at all? No. She's not your typical 14-year-old girl. Um, like she said, we'd do runs at Kenosi Lake and we'd use, Garrick would usually give her the, the more experienced dogs and we'd take off and when we're coming back, it's dark out and she's miles ahead of us or already back at the truck and the trailer because we got the younger dogs and we're jockeying them around and falling behind. And she's, she's perfectly fine on her own in the, I guess you could say the wilderness and with six dogs and being totally comfortable and relaxed. Yeah. sounds like a lot more experience than most will have leading into their first race. And I know you did a lot of training yeah. uh, this past winter with Garrick and, and I know Dexter, you were doing lots of driving to get uh, Mo to, to do that oh, training. Yeah. Can you tell us a little about, uh, the effort that goes into the training, not just the time on the sled, because that's the fun part, but everything else that goes with the, yeah. all of that time and, and energy. Well, our first big training weekend was the beginning of December. And where Garrick's living currently, it's a nine and a half hour drive from us. So, you, you know, Thursday after work, hop in the truck, load her up, away we go, get there fairly late. You know, and then you try and put in some substantial mileage over the weekend. You know, he's got his big kennel and his kennel's right beside Kevin uh, Lewis's. So we, lots of dogs to choose from. So we made, I made that, me and Mo made that trip three times, nine and a half hours there and back. And then uh, my wife, Erin, took, took Mo once. So we made that trip four times there and back, you know, almost 2000 kilometers round trip each time. And then in the middle of January, right? Yeah. We brought six dogs home. So, you know, we live in a small town of 500 people. We already have three dogs and actually one of them is a retired sled dog from Garrick's kennel that ran the hundred mile with him the first year he was in it. So now we're bringing three dogs home and we had them all the way till the race. Yep. And then even brought them back. We brought... Yeah, we had them here for we almost... We had them here because Garrett came back down and I went up with him with yeah. all my six dogs. Yeah, so we... Between our dogs and the six dogs from Garrick, we had nine dogs. And just kind of <coughs> rotating them in the backyard so nobody's, you know, getting offended by other dogs. And our, t our town actually has a bylaw where you're only allowed two, two dogs. So we had to get permission from the town and they were actually very supportive because they thought it was something pretty cool. So, you know, and then, you know, what the training's like, you know, we did lots of <clears throat> mileage on our own in the park and in uh, some local farmers fields and Garrick even made the trip down twice for training. So between us and him, you know, that's 12,000 kilometers traveled just for training for this specific race. Yeah, so for, for those that don't know where Wawota is, you're about two hours, a little over two hours uh, east, a little bit southeast of Regina, you know, Moose Mountain yep. Provincial Park, almost towards the uh, Manitoba yep. border there. So, Yeah, we're uh, 
40 minutes from the Manitoba border and an hour from the U.S. border. Yeah, so it gives you an idea of the, the location. And you certainly have snow and 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 trails yep. and, and enough wilderness area where you can get the training in, which is awesome. It's just trying to get yep. to the dogs, um, which sounds like yes. uh, was very time-consuming. So how did... How did all of that fit with trying to be a teenager and school and friends and how does that work out? Um, well, my friends usually know I'm really busy, so that didn't really bother. But school, I kind of told my teachers the day before that I was leaving. And then they got mad at me when I got back, but eh, I don't really care. And then just trying to fit it in, I wasn't really too busy busy like I didn't have a job then and school didn't matter as much because I can't like I'm only in grade nine I don't have to pass but other than that it wasn't that hard and she's not like school work out of my three kids she does the best in school so missing a week or two here and there she was able to catch up and still maintain grades and stuff which you know as long as she was doing that we weren't too concerned because you're School's school, but giving your, your kid other opportunities in life to experience things and grow from them is is way more beneficial. Well, and certainly an experience that will be unforgettable, I would expect. So you had, out of the six dogs that you brought home uh, for a little bit in the winter for training, were those the six that you had on the team during the race? Yeah. So is there a dog? I, I don't like asking people to pick a favorite because it's too hard to do. Is there a dog or two um, that you can tell us about or, or tell the fans about why you liked them or what uh, makes them stand out? Probably my the three girls I had on my team. They all, during the race, they all ran lead. The two that finished, the younger one, Nippy, I'm impressed she finished the race in lead because she doesn't really run lead. Sugar, I'm very surprised she stayed in lead for how long she did. But And then there's Smarty. I just like Smarty. She's a nice dog. She's very lovable. But those are my three. The boys are just boys. And actually, Nippy, the one that she's talking about, <clears throat> when Garrick came down his first time, Nippy was only five or six she's weeks old, and Mo's got a picture of her holding Nippy. And then she's also got a picture now of Nippy at the finish line with her at uh, the Canadian Challenge. So it's kind of a... A neat connection that way. Yeah, it's amazing how dogs are able to to generate a bond, even if it's for a short period of time, you know, in, in their very formative, uh, you know, weeks and months early on as puppies and, and lat, sort of latch on to a, you know, a musher that way. I know last season we had a chat with Laura Neese and she was talking about, you know, I asked her a similar question about one of her dogs and the answer was for anybody that didn't catch it, go back and listen. But she was talking about how she met this dog in the dog yard as a puppy and it just stuck to her. It followed her around everywhere and that bond was instant. And that was her lead dog at the end of the Yukon quest. So it, it's uh, incredible what, uh, what's possible, you know, when you get them early. Well, and that's, that's why we brought the six dogs down, right? That way <clears throat> you build that bond, you build that trust. Mo can kind of learn their personalities better and they can learn, <clears throat> they can learn Mo's personality a bit better, right? Cause if you're having a bad day, the dogs are going to have a bad day. And definitely the wife was not for us bringing six dogs down. 
but I basically started to build a dog box and she's like, well, what's this for? And like, well, you know, it'll be, you know, you can hear our dogs howling in the garage. It'll be for the race week, you know, just be simpler with two trucks and two dog boxes. And basically the one trip we went up North, we came back with six dogs. So we made yeah, it work. One, it's, it's, I think having the extra time in training is really helpful in terms of understanding the dogs and, and reading them better you know, seeing the gate and, and allowing you to see something change or be different much faster, you know, that doesn't look normal, that doesn't look right, uh, which is always an important thing, you know, making sure you're looking after the dogs so they can work their magic, as we say. Um, so take us up to, you know, actually coming to the race itself, the, the vet checks. I know, you know, you were helping with, you know, bringing Garrick's dogs in for his team, you know, as part of the vet check and then bringing in the six that you had planned. What was that experience like with everybody around and all the dogs and, and the vets and, and how that went? It was a little more like real, like you're actually going to do this. I was a little nervous with vet checks. I didn't think all my dogs would pass, but I was pretty happy that they all passed. And I was happy that I got to take all six with me, but it was such a more of a, like, I don't know how to put it, like a, can't describe the feeling of like going in and actually getting those dogs checked for what you're actually doing and all that. Right. So then it became real, like this race was really going to happen. You were going to do it with the dogs you had. Is that how you felt? Yeah. Great. So then we finished the vet checks, you know, and then you were there at the start line with uh, Garrick and, you know, for the 10 dog race, you know, helping out a little bit. And I know he had a lot of help from, you know, the Métis Nation and uh, some of the help there. We're going to talk about them more and we talk about the finish line. But what was that start like, seeing Garrick go um, and then maybe some of the handler uh, tasks associated with uh, getting Garrick out of the start line? I didn't find it any different from when he left the first race he did at the Canadian Challenge. It's, to me, it's not really different from when he leaves the dog yard. It's just he's going out for another run. Yeah, you're... Definitely last year, or sorry, the first year when he took off for the, the eight dog hundred mile, the energy in the air from the dogs is something that everybody needs to experience. And I know lots of people say that on your podcast, but then just experiencing it the first time and then, you know, doing it again the second time, it was a lot more relaxing. You know, you know, you knew what to do, you knew what to expect. Like Monroe said, it's just another, you're getting ready for another run. And one thing I really noticed about Garrick's dogs this year for the the start of the 10 dog race is <clears throat> um, his dogs have a lot of attitude. Uh, a, a local musher up where he's living, Charlie Connor, came into his dog yard one time when we were just kind of doing a fun race up at Garrick and Kevin's place and I don't know if it's the, the tour aspect of his dogs because they're very friendly, very social, but they're they're hyper. I guess they're a lot like their owner, which would be Garrick, right? They're, they're very social. They want to be seen. They want to, you know, I'm here. I want to talk to you, you know, come visit type thing. Then you look over at somebody like uh, Jesse's team. His dogs look fairly relaxed, calm, but, you know, I'm, I'm assuming the more these dogs race, even, you know, whatever – six or eight dogs mo picks this year the more races they do they probably get more calm and more relaxed and 
the more me saying, you know, me as a handler and Mo helping handling stuff too, it just becomes kind of routine and a lot simpler. I, th- I think the dogs get used to it a little bit, but I think they follow more of, of how their musher is than anything mm-hmm. else. Right. You know, you, yeah. you mentioned Jesse and Mary, they're very calm people generally. You yeah. know, they don't show a lot of excitement, even though you can tell they're very excited to start a race. Uh, and their dogs are generally very calm. Uh, others that get excited, as you said, Garrick's one of those people. He's excited. He was, uh, yeah. you know, moving around lots, talking to the dogs lots. So I think the dogs pick up on that a lot more uh, than what people give them credit for. You know, they pick up on it when meshers are having a bad day or in a bad mood or not doing well. So, you know, I think they pick up on that stuff at the start line too. What is the attitude like? Are they excited? Are they not? And maybe the change is in the musher more so than the dogs. They're just following along with their leader. Yeah, that's... I would say that's a good point. Yep. So let's fast forward to the race start for the six dog then. Um, so tell us a little about getting up that morning, knowing you're going to start the race that, you know, you're, you're actually doing this. Were you nervous at all or what were you feeling like leading up to the start line? Um, I did not want to get up that morning because we had to wake up early because we're staying in we stayed at we stayed at uh Mississippi at yeah. Thompson's Resort or Thompson yeah so we had that 50 minute drive to the start line and then once we got there and we got in our spot I was going through my sled bag and I forgot my vet book at the cabin thankfully the um some of the Métis Nation people they hadn't left yet so I gave them a quick call and they brought it for me before we started and then I was actually running behind on my start time. So once I finally got there, like, just go, just go. So I just went. But it was a little nerve-wracking once we got there and I didn't have my vet book. And then when Jim came to check my sled bag, I thought I wasn't going to have everything that I had. But it all worked out in the end. Right. So then you had everything you needed. The dogs were all hooked up, ready to go. And you know, you get down to the start line and, and you're stopped there and you're waiting. What is that like? Just standing on the start line with the dogs going crazy, ready to go and all the fans there. What was that like in LaRange for you? Um, I didn't really get a stop and stand there. I was kind of running behind on my time from hooking up the dogs and getting down to the starting line. So they just told me to go. So I didn't really get that feeling of standing there. Okay, so then leaving this after you actually left and you're out across the lake, just just tell us about how you felt like through that run from across the lake and, and into the portages. What, what was that like? Did it feel like a regular training run? Did it feel any different than any of the training that you'd done so far? Um, once I got by myself, it felt like just a normal training run. Like coming out of the starting line and onto the ice road, I had a little problem my dogs weren't listening and wanting to go down the ice roads and then one of the ladies standing there had to help me and then they started following a snowmobile track and then it started getting difficult and then they finally picked up the scent on the trail and they just went so after that part it kind of just felt like a normal training run well and you kind of followed and passed anna back and forth kind of the whole run too, yeah. didn't you yeah there was a lot of leapfrogging there um with some other teams and and I know, uh, you know, Marcel, who won the six dog race, he, he was pretty quick 
but we were watching the trackers as everybody was coming across through those portages and, and the lakes towards the second half of the trail. Did you feel competitive at all as you were, you know, running, passing Anna, and then she would pass you? Did that change your your plan or your approach at all? Um, no, she's actually really helpful because the first time, the first she passed me first when I was going to pass her, <laughs> and my dogs wouldn't go past hers. They just go to a complete stop. She told me to stop, put my snow hook in, and she helped me get past her. And then every time I'd stop to snack, she'd stop her dogs to snack with me. And then about just before the last portage, my dogs, like, they didn't stop pulling, but you could tell they were getting bored and they just wanted to be done. So Anna got in front of me and she basically led me to the finish line. Yeah, that's... uh encouraging you know Anna's mm-hmm. been mushing for a long time you know been racing for quite a while to be able to help you know a younger musher newer musher um make it in like that um and so as you came off the last portage and onto otter lake and around the corner of Mississippi and saw the start line and the fans cheering and your parents there what what was it like actually coming in and, and crossing the line really know I thought it felt kind of like just a normal run just getting back to the dog yard dad might say it was different I was just ready to sit down my legs were tired I was tired but other than that I don't like it was nice seeing all those people there waiting for me but (laughs) you were just tired (laughs) okay Dexter how about from you know was it a proud dad moment for sure it was you know you let your 14 year old kid go off into the wilderness by herself with six dogs. And then we stopped at that Lynx Creek bridge there and watched kind of the halfway point, all the teams come through and, you know, it was encouraging seeing her moving good. And she was in the middle of the pack and you could tell she had passed one or two people and she was having a good race and seemed in as good a spirits as you can tell with Monroe. And then, yeah, when she came into that finish line, it was pretty proud moment. Plus, you know, definitely some emotions because your your 14 year old kid completed a pretty phenomenal task in my eyes so yeah it was a really good experience didn't have much time to kind of enjoy it because you know help her get up to the truck and trailer and then you know the other teams I was helping with they started filing in shortly after yeah well not only is it a a tremendous accomplishment to to do a race you know through incredibly remote country but the culmination of the entire season training all the you know driving that's been done the work that's put in the the lack of sleep it sounds like right to be able to do that and and get to the end um you know certainly uh an accomplishment um for those that don't have their results handy six hours and 44 minutes uh was the final time there and just five minutes behind anna so you know, really impressive for a third place finish, you know, first race, um, you know, quite significant. So, um, you know, a big congratulations from all of us here. I do have our social media question for today, which comes from Comfort Cripes. So is there anything that you found easier than expected? And that could be with the race or dog mushing or training, any part of it that you think was a little bit easier than you thought it would be? Not Really? I don't know. Now I got That's think. a unique question. 
we're trying to find different Easier. questions from you know because people always have yeah. these ideas of what it's going to be like and you yeah. know was was the was the race as difficult as you thought it was going to be was it as technically demanding as you thought it would be or did you well, know what it was going to be like like with the race being 50 miles that was actually monroe's second 50 mile run of the year because we had you know you you start out with your short distances build up build up build up and just with you know the logistics of her training <clears throat> that was only the second time she's ever gone that long on the back of the dogs so you know and like she said it was just like another training run and you know the preparation to me was almost simpler being a handler and a a spectator because you're not following on the snowmobile you're not there you know going to the next spot and kind of okay let's get a fire going so we can warm up for half an hour it was just okay see at the end and you know like she says i don't know you don't think there's anything easier than you thought it would be no and we we you know training up north at uh Minnesticwin Lake and then down here at Moose Mountain Provincial Park we've we've seen some very diverse country for training and then even when we were we got up to the race early and we stayed at Weaquin at Jared Nelson's cabin so Monroe and Garrick actually went out and did I don't know an hour an hour run a quick 10 miles on part of the trail just to kind of see what it was like so they had a little bit of somewhat of an idea of what to expect and yeah well i mean it doesn't have to be easier than you thought you could just be able to predict how challenging things are going to be mm-hmm. so I, uh, but i think well, you're right and, about the handler side you know it's it's yeah. there's there's not much you can do right the teams yeah. are gone you you clean up the whatever might have been you know straw left might have been there yeah. or or anything left behind and it's sort of pack up the truck and well we'll, we'll see at the other end right or the halfway point well, Monroe, as you said, at Lings Creek. Yeah. One training run when we went up to Garrick's after Christmas, so kind of over the New Year's break, she faced some adversity there because she was still kind of deciding which dogs to use. And we'd planned on doing uh, like a 40 mile run. So she had six dogs. Garrick had his 10 or 12 that he was running. And we went out <clears throat> later in the day. So we were running in the dark. And, um, I don't know, it was only, what, six or seven miles in and that first dog quit on you? No, we were coming back, and, the, of course, the biggest dog I had on my team decided he wanted to stop running. <coughs> I thought he just didn't like his place, so I moved him around, and nope. So I put him in his be- in the sled bag, and we kept going, and he was just done. He was sleeping by the end. Once he got in the bag, he fell asleep. So I had to go back with me on the sled and the heaviest dog with five dogs pulling. But then there was the other time too, where you were down You're, to four dogs. Yeah. One in the sled and one had to ride on the snowmobile. <clears throat> and you know, you get a, a smaller 14 year old girl having to run four dogs with one in the sled that might weigh as much as her. And we were going up and down some pretty good hills. She was, <clears throat> we'd planned to leave the next day, but when we got in, she was, fairly defeated because it was a very crappy run and because it was kind of the holidays me and Garrick said we kind of decided no let's stay another day and let's go out tomorrow and have a a positive run like let's switch dogs around and 
get her over that adversity and let her realize that, you know, you don't want to ruin her because you don't know when we're coming, you know, it's going to be another two or three weeks before she runs dogs. So finish on a high note, not a crappy note. So she definitely had more adversity during training than the race, which I think a lot of mushers probably do. Yeah. And it's, it's an important experience to, to go through because you have to be able to see that during the race because everybody wants to be able to, you know, sometimes dogs get tired and sometimes they, you know, they get an injury or, or whatnot, but you know, the objective is that they're going to run again. So, you know, pushing a dog past their limit is usually a good way to make it. So they don't want to do it again ever. And I don't think anybody wants that. So being able to recognize when that happens and, and know what to do with it is, uh, is always a good thing and good practice to be able to get a big dog like that in a sled bag. That's probably wasn't an easy task. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It would have made, would have weighed more than her gear. She had to take for the race for sure. Yeah. Well, it's just a big dog like that. They usually don't want to go in the sled bag unless they've had, you know, a lot of time or experience doing it. So they tend to fight that process. So yeah, would have been a, a challenge, I'm sure. So did you do anything for you personally, you know, for physically to, to get yourself in shape for the, the race or training at all? Or was it just part of what you do every day? Um, no, but my mom said, if your dog is on 50 miles, you have to run 50 miles, but I didn't run 50 miles and I had just come off of football season. So I didn't think I needed it. Yeah. She also plays, um, uh, tackle football on an all girls team, which I'm the head coach of. So she's fairly in shape to begin with. So that, that was definitely a benefit. Right. So did you have to did you do much helping or did you have to help the team much with kicking or ski pulling or anything like that during, do you do that any, through any of your training or during the race? No. You use the ski pole a fair bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I usually just kick. I don't like using the ski pole. I think I'm going to lose it. And I do have to get off and run sometimes going up hills, but I don't find it that difficult. Yeah. There's a stretch of hills. We do at Kenosi Lake on the main skidoo trail. And, you know, when you're driving your truck on them during hunting season or you're on a quad or a snowmobile, they don't look that intense. But when you're, uh, you know, I've ran dogs on them too, just to get miles on dogs. You know, you sometimes have a person on the sled. You don't realize how much effort and hard work it is to run up a very steep, you know, 45 degree plus incline full winter gear at minus 30 because the dogs don't want to pull and they're like, Hey, fatso get off and help us push. Yeah. It's, you got to work as hard as your dogs. That's for sure. Yeah. So is there any advice that, that you would have? I'm going to start with you, Mo, for any, anybody else, you know, that that's, you know, younger interested in doing it. Can, Can you give them any advice or, or any insight into what they should do or how they should do it? Listen to your body and don't over push yourself. Good advice. Okay, Dexter, from a parent's perspective for any young kids, parents of young kids, do you have any advice for the parents on, you know, that might be interested in joining this? Uh, if it's in your community, you know, if somebody's giving tours or rides or a demonstration, go check it out. There's a lot of neg- negative aspects in the media about the dog sled community, which is unfortunate because uh, these dogs are more than pets to the, the kennel owners. Check it out with your family. 
If you see an opportunity, go do it. If your kid wants to get involved and you can do it, push them, right? You got to push your kids to have phenomenal life experiences. They're going to learn more from that than they will sitting in grade nine math. So if they, if you can give them an opportunity and something like this, working with animals, any type of working animal, you, you got to do it. You got to jump in and, you know, we're in uh, full planning mode for this next season now. So it's definitely probably here to stay. So, well, and I, th- I think there's, there's certain traits or aspects of this that every musher or everybody handler or whoever's involved is going to learn, right? It, it's hard work. It takes dedication, time, commitment to do all these things. And it's, it's not, uh, not something that you can just turn off, right? You know, you've got dogs at home. You can't just say, oh, I'm done now. And I don't feel like going out to feed them. It's too cold. Like that, that doesn't exist. You got to go. That's how it is. Yep. So I think it's really good um, life lessons for anybody who's interested in doing it. Uh, so you mentioned you're in full planning for next year. Can you share a little insight in what you might have going for this coming season? I don't know what's with you, Mom planning. <clears throat> well, Mo's gonna do the Canadian Challenge again. I believe she's leaning towards the the hundred mile race. Garrick is gonna do the two hundred again, so <clears throat> we'll be running with his kennel as well. And logistics are sounding like they're gonna be a lot more simple this fall, which will definitely help us with training. Um, I think. Monroe wants to do more than one race, so we're thinking possibly the the Torch River after the Canadian Challenge. Then I know Garrick is thinking the the Marcel's race, the underdog. So I'll I'll definitely go up there and help him handle with that, plus the Canadian Challenge. And uh, <clears throat> we're diff- we're doing different things for fundraising because you know it's you talk to any musher, you're not going to get rich doing it. You know, feeding. I think Garrick's up to 44 or 45 dogs now. So feeding that many dogs, there's a cost to it and the travel and accommodations when you're going places. So we, <clears throat> we got some unique fundraiser ideas for Eagle Ridge kennels and mushroom mole that <clears throat> we've shared on social media. And I think Dan, you even seen it. We're doing a, and it's actually a good introduction to dog sledding where <clears throat> you buy a ticket for 20 bucks if you win, you bring three friends. We'll take you to the Moose Mountains. Friday night, we'll teach you kind of dog sledding 101. Saturday, you can run a dog sled. You can be a passenger, whatever. We'll go out for the whole day. We're going to have a couple trappers' tents pre-set up. All you got to do is bring yourself and winter gear. We'll have the cots, the sleeping bags, the wood stoves. You'll spend the night out in the wilderness with the dogs, and then you'll come back on the, the Sunday. So we're hoping to <clears throat> not just get, you know, help us with our fundraising aspect, but help get people more knowledgeable about the support, the sport, learn about it, learn about the dogs, you know, cause when Monroe, t- when Garrick took off, you know, we were Facebook live both years, same thing when Mo, Mo took off. So we're getting lots of family seeing and following and interested. So the support system we have is phenomenal and, you know, if Monroe's going to do two races, Garrick's going to do three or four, you know, the planning kind of started right after the season was done. And, you know, um, my other daughter works at a local meat shop. So 
we get lots of beef organ meat from there. So we're already planning on, okay, how much freezer space do we need? You know, stuff like that, you know, rebuilding the dog trailer. There's, there's lots of planning and <clears throat> Monroe doesn't have to do as much of the planning cause she's still only a 14 year old girl, but she's definitely involved in it. And we're really looking forward to this upcoming season and, Garrick actually might be the handler for the Torch River run and Monroe will run and I'm thinking about running in it too. So it'd be kind of nice to do a, a race myself because I do enjoy getting on the back of the dog sled and it's just quiet and peaceful and you don't have to think about anything. Absolutely. Okay. There's a lot to get through there. Lots of good information. I don't want to miss any of it. So let's start with this uh, awesome draw prize draw that you have going. How do people find it? Where do they go look for it? How do they enter? Okay, if you follow Musher Mo on Facebook, or if you follow Garrick Schmidt, or Eagle Ridge Dog, Dog Sled Kennels on Facebook, we have information there. Yeah, <clears throat> we're going to do a couple more. Uh, he's actually coming down next weekend because we have our big Métis Festival at Back to Batoche here coming up where we do, we're fairly involved. So we're going to do a couple Facebook Live videos next weekend and the week after just you know promoting our 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 fun weekend of dog sledding so look for that stuff on social media we'll probably even tag the canadian challenge page so people can find it okay and we'll certainly include the links to all of those facebook pages below in the show notes so anybody interested you can click below and find it there um, I think it's fantastic. I know I saw it and uh, I, I, I shared it on my side too because I think it's yep. a really exciting opportunity for people to be able to really immerse themselves into this wonderful experience that is dog mushing without, you know, spending a whole bunch of money or, or just going out for a short, you know, half an hour ride, which sometimes is, is the option available. Yep. So I think that that's fantastic. Um, as far as the races you're talking about, obviously we're very excited here at the Canadian Challenge to have you back again. Um, you know, and I think you'll find the eight dog race a little bit easier because you're going to have eight dogs pulling you along for 50 miles two days in a row instead of um, the six dogs. Really excited for that. I think the Torch River Run is going to be a great one as well. A very uh, friendly race for those that are unfamiliar torch uh river run sled dog race you can find them on facebook uh it's a local race here in christopher lake that just runs on some of the snowmobile trails two day eight dog 40 miles a day very relaxed comfortable friendly atmosphere for those that might be interested in coming along for that one they don't do a lot of promotional stuff or posting but certainly an exciting one obviously the underdog mentioned as well with um, marcel marin who is the previous episode on Canadian Challenge. So up in Yellowknife, you can find them under Underdog on Facebook as well. So, you know, some really exciting stuff. And uh, the the comment I'll, I'll sort of mention here is, you know, when one race season ends, that's the yeah. beginning of the next one. So it's this constant loop of, you know, finished one. Okay, now move to the next one. And what's that look like? What do we want to do? How do we want to do better? How do we want to replicate what we've done this year? So is there anything that you're, maybe give it two parts, anything that you want to replicate again that you want to continue with that, because it worked out and maybe something that uh, you're really looking forward to improving on in the upcoming season? Um, I don't really know. 
I can't remember the season. It was so long ago. So long ago, yeah. It seems like winter just <laughs> ended in Saskatchewan. One thing I want to get better at is uh, bootying dogs. <laughs> I am, you know, for a person that did handle for multiple teams, <clears throat> I, I can get the booties on, but they don't stay on. If you've seen booties at the start of the start liner at the checkpoints before teams took off, those are probably the ones I put on. <clears throat> so I'm definitely going to work at that to improve those skills. And it's, yeah, I'm, we're just looking forward to it. I like the handling aspect because I, I come from a coaching background. I've coached football for 22 years. I used to coach shooting and I coach track and field. So <clears throat> handling is like being a coach and you're, you're dealing with an athlete, which is your musher, who is like a, a quarterback of the team. So they're kind of the prima donna and you need them to work with the the other really, really good athletes, which are the dogs. So it's kind of, it's a lot of fun. I don't consider it work being the handler. I consider it fun. And even handling for some of Kevin Lewis's teams, like Alex and Trevor being new to the racing as well. <clears throat> it was very, it was a lot of fun, you know, watching them in their own different types of preparations and just kind of giving them pointers and, you know, being able to read people from, being a coach kind of understanding their mind frame okay no it's not the time to talk to them okay give them some encouragement you know give them some pointers it was so i'm looking forward to that part i'm actually looking forward to the the handling part again because it's it i don't consider it work when you enjoy doing it so and i'll just get deep and handling for that many teams i hopefully by the end of this season my dog booties can stay on for more than 15 miles I'm I'm willing to bet that there is an endless list of mushers who would be happy to have you practice on booting their dogs, you know, for training runs. I'm sure Garrick would happily let you do it every single <laughs> yeah. booty for the whole winter that you're there. Just, I'm sure he'd let you. Oh, I mean, I struggle would, yeah. for him, but he, you know, he could probably be talked yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's this really good uh, insight into some of the handling aspect, and it's a different approach. You know, a lot of times it's somebody who's newer or trying to learn or trying to get involved. And it's really interesting take on mushers and handling and how you have to sort of manage that relationship between them and the dogs and getting them all to work together as a team, because that's the critical part. Everybody has to work together. So, yeah. Um, okay. Any other social media stuff you want to mention? Anybody you'd like an opportunity to thank because I know it takes more than just the two of you to make this all work. So this is your chance to give a shout out if you have sponsors or other people involved. You know, and this is your chance to say thank you. Don't forget to mention your mother. Thanks, mother. And Métis Nation Saskatchewan, I guess. That's it? That's it. Okay. <laughs> Definitely, like Mo said, you know, we have to thank, as I call her, the wife. Mo calls her mom. She let us do this. She let us go on this crazy adventure. You know, not many mothers are going to let their 14-year-old daughter partake in something like this. <clears throat> and like Mo said, Métis Nation Saskatchewan was phenomenal this year. They kicked in some dollars, which definitely helped. You know, like I said, we did how many thousands of kilometers just traveling for training. And then even the support of people in our region to come up and cheer on Garrick and Monroe. And of course, we got, well, Kevin Lewis as well, because Monroe ran two of his dogs. And, you know, going up to his place where Garrick's living and doing the training and welcoming us, welcoming, welcoming us in as family. 
which was great. And then obviously Garrick, right? You know, he's the one that got us into it. He's, uh, lets it, you know, his dog sled still here, his dog bag still here, the one that Monroe used. Um, you know, he retired at his, one of his old wheel dogs is laying on our couch, you know, huge shout out to him. Cause if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be doing it. And, you know, like I say, we met him just over three years ago and he's basically, you know, kind of like a brother now or a family member. And, um, well, you've seen how we interact. Jim got to hang out with us late one night at the LaRange checkpoint. And, you know, that to me, that's the best part about the, the fundraiser trip. If you want to have a good time, come hang out with us in the bush. So, yeah, shout out to all those people. And even the Canadian Challenge, like you guys put on a phenomenal race. <clears throat> very, very welcoming group of people. Nobody seemed to feel out of place. Huge shout out to the vets. Um, they, they are phenomenal people because like Monroe, when she was done her race, she had one dog, had a bit of dehydration, you know, and he was needing some attention, but they made her feel phenomenal. Like they didn't, you know, put the blame on anything. And, you know, it's just a great group of people in the whole dog mushing community. So everybody's got to get involved and check out a race and see what it's about. It's kind of a, a big family more or less. Yes, and I agree. It's welcoming to everyone of all skill levels. We have a race that will fit for what you need. If you need help doing that, please reach out. We'd be happy to connect you with other people that might be able to help along the way. I'm sure, you know, there's a long list of people we have that can help with whatever you might be looking for, you know, whether it's uh, some gear that you might need or some advice on how to do something or maybe even some dogs you're looking for. Um, so I really want to thank both, um, Mo and, and Dexter for joining me. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to get a different perspective on the sport, the race, and, and it's great to see younger mushers coming up through having a wonderful experience and continuing on. This is what we need for the sport and we need to encourage others. So hopefully you'll be able to talk some of your friends into it or inspire some other young uh, adults to join and get themselves involved. So um, thanks again. Before we take off for today, I want to make sure we mention uh, our main sponsor, Adventure Destinations at Thompson Resort in Mississippi. Please come check them out. And uh, Baldwin Feeds featuring Perfectly Raw is a big part of uh, our challenge and able to help people with uh, a lot of their food products. So thanks again, Dexter Monroe. Thanks so much for joining. And uh, until next time, Goodbye. Thanks for having us.